Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, good morning, C3 Noosa. Happy birthday. Turn to the person next to you and say, happy birthday. Look at you, six-year-olds, you. You six-year-olds. Grab a seat. It is so good to be here with you this morning. Thank you, uh, Pastor Christian Melissa, for taking a risk for having, uh, having me here this morning. Uh, hopefully we don't do too much damage. Who likes to have fun? Oh, come on, three of you. Seriously? You're in the wrong place if you don't want to have fun. Who likes stuff that works? I like stuff that works, and if it doesn't work, let's just stop doing it and find something that does work and not pretend that it was awesome and fantastic and brilliant, but it just didn't work, so let's move on. Today I want to just speak a a word uh, that, that God gave me for you guys that I think I've been trying to live my life out of for the last 20 odd years that works. And, and when we're talking about relationship goals, I think part of that is, for me, primarily is, is a relationship with the creator of the universe and keeping that number one. And so what I want to kind of draw out this morning as best I can, look, like I said to the Connect leaders this morning, and we were just hanging out and just having a random conversation. I was rambling on like a hobo a little bit, but we kind of like, God, God was doing some stuff, so that's what it's all about. But you know, like I'm not necessarily going to be the best here ever here, but I'll certainly give you my best this morning. But more importantly, my prayer for each of you here today is that in some way, shape, or form, you would have an encounter with Jesus. Just an encounter with the presence of God. And that's got nothing to do with me, but it's got everything to do with Him. But by the grace of God, yet yeah, we started 11 years ago. And, 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 and I don't say this because He's sitting here and His wife's sitting here and they're your pastors of your church. It felt in God to invite Christian down. We've had him a couple of times in our church and has always had a significant impact and left a great deposit in the life of our church. Last year when he came down, I know he shared the story, one of the ladies in our church who had been in a wheelchair for six years, uh, and, and I, being an ex-physio, I kind of understood her medical journey, which was intense, horrible, painful, traumatic, but to see her get up and start walking uh, is just a phenomenal thing. And, and you guys together, as, as Pastor Christian said, are a part of wherever he goes, whatever he does, together with him and Pastor Melissa, uh, are having an impact beyond Noosa. And, and today on behalf of my church, I want to thank you guys as a church for releasing him to us and sending him down. And that was a great catalyst for us. And uh, I know you guys are in a new season and I know that God's leading into you into a season to believe for your own building, your own space. You know, I don't have time this morning to share that story. It's, it's nothing short of a miracle. I don't use those words lightly. Miracle is a big deal in my world and my life but God has done a miracle for us. And sometimes, you know, when you get a breakthrough in a particular area, whether it's overcoming a life-controlling issue or in a healing in in an area of sickness or illness or a financial breakthrough, relational breakthrough, uh, you know, whatever it might be, you know, sometimes when God breaks that open in your life, you, you kind of, whether you like it or not, you can carry an authority over that area. And when you start to pray into it, So where we sit today in the building that we're in, and it just should never have happened, and and God has done something amazing, it's but by His grace, and God's the only one that made that happen. And so today, I just quickly want to pray for you guys, and I want to stand with you, and I want to believe with you and for you, but I just want to speak that building into existence. We know the reality is it's out there somewhere, right? And, And so there is bricks and mortar out there somewhere that somebody else thinks they own right now, but God is maneuvering and shifting pieces And it's sometimes we pray a prayer and there's a season of waiting before it's answered. And you're in the season of waiting right now and God is moving and shifting things. It's not about the bricks and mortar, it's about the people that God has called you to impact 
through having that space. What I say to my church is basically, you know what, we've got this great space, great building, and it's all comfortable. And, 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 and seriously, hats off to the set up and pack up guys that do this week in, week out. Like, can we give them a hand? The sound guys, Mark and the crew down there, and they do all this sort of stuff, and the host team there every week, and the guys that are there. You know, stuff doesn't just magically appear for us to come and put bums on seats every week. Somebody had to put these chairs out. And, and like, I, for 10 years, we did that. But I said to my chair, I don't want a building. And if, if we get a building and we sit back and we kind of like just sit back and think, oh, we've, we've made it, and, and, and we stop having those encounters with the presence of God, we'll, we'll get rid of that building. We'll go back to a school hall just like that. So it's more important. It's not about the bricks and mortar. That's just a tool that God gives us to fulfill the vision that he's given and sown into Pastor Christian Melissa's hearts. And so I'm just going to quickly pray before we get into the word this morning, because I should get there, I guess, but let's pray. Father, this morning, I just thank you that we often, in rhetoric, just say that you're the God of the impossible. And Father, I know that there are political powers at play, there's councils, there's government, there is history, there is a whole bunch of things, Father God, that are at play with the release of this building. You've got to move on an owner's heart to release it for kingdom purpose. And so this morning, Father, together as your children, your church, you said that you would build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So there is nothing that can stand in the way of this space that you've ordained and destined for C3 Noosa to have as their spiritual home, that stake in the ground, that, that space and place that will be home, not just for those here, but for the countless hundreds and thousands that are yet to come into your kingdom. So right now, in Jesus' name, we release that building. Father, I think I don't have to yell, I don't have to shout. All we have to do is just say, in the name of Jesus, it's done. Right now, it's done. Father, we will stand, we will worship, we will honour you, give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, it's great to be here with you guys this morning. I, this, this guy was kind of sitting in Turkey, and he's just sitting in one of those market bazaars, and he kind of looked across, and when he was just drinking his tea with some Turkish bloke, he kind of picks up this little lamp thing, rubs it, and this genie pops out. And the genie said, mate, I've got, I'll give you three guesses. You know how this works? You get three guesses and you can uh, you know, go on your merry way and I can go on my merry way. I've been stuck in this thing for about 1,800 years. So thanks for letting me out. Okay, guess what? Oh, look, I'd love $150 million because you know, that's all I need and there's a bunch of stuff I'd love to do. And bang, there you go, it's there. So he jumps on online, banking checks. Oh my gosh, there's $150 million in my bank account. He's stoked. Next thing goes, oh, you know what? I know I could buy them all, but the hassle of going through the whole process of trying to find every single Porsche from the first one that was made to current day, I want all of that in a, in a, in a massive temperature-controlled uh, place, garage on my parents' property, um, done, and the genie just goes, it's done. So he rings his mum, mum, can you just look out on your property? Is there like a building that wasn't there that is there? She goes, yeah. He goes, oh, this is unreal. Last guess, right? So the genie goes, okay, you've got one guess to go. What's it going to be? And he kind of like just sits there and he goes, oh, yeah, I got it. I want to be irresistible to women. Like, I just, I want to be totally irresistible to women. And the genie's like, you sure? And the, genie, and the guy goes, yeah, cool. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking for my partner and I'd love to be irresistible to women. So, like, bring it on. So, gets turned into a block of chocolate. So, um, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with my message today, but you know what? Well, a little bit does. You know, you know one, one of the things that we're challenged about, I think, that you might hear a little bit in church life, if you haven't already, is that there is more. There is more. Have you ever heard that in church, that God's got more for your life, right? That 
And, and that more is determined by how hungry you are. And I'm not talking about the chocolate, but I'm just talking about how hungry you are for the things of God. And so where does that come from? And, and this week I was reminded, and I've been thinking about that a little bit later, uh, a little bit earlier, and, and try to preach on this in our church, just around how we talk about the manifest presence of God, how God turns up. In, isn't God everywhere? Yes, God is everywhere. But you see, you know, the Bible tells us in, uh, in Psalm 139 that God is everywhere. If I go to the highest of heavens, you are there. If I go to the lowest of valleys, you are there. If I go anywhere in between, I cannot escape you, oh God. You're everywhere. And even get the impression out of that, that God is holding every single atom, electron, neutron, proton. God is holding that all together. So he is everywhere. He's in the dirt. He's, he is holding everything together. So we would say that God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere, right? So if that's our starting point, but do you know what? There's more. Because you know what happened in Genesis? God took some of the dirt that he was already in. He took that, he shaped, he fashioned, he formed it into a, a human being. But they weren't alive until what? Until he breathed into it. So, but God was already in the dirt, but now he's in the person because he breathed into the person. So is that where it ends? No, it doesn't end there because we see through the Old Testament that God comes and he manifests himself and he proves and he shows himself in unimaginable ways. He stops the sun, moon and stars. The galaxies grind to a halt so Joshua can win a battle. We see that mighty giants come falling down. We see that enemies are defeated. Enemies have to retreat because the presence of God is in the place. You see, there's more. But he was in the dirt that came together as a person, and now he's manifesting himself. So there's even more, right? But it doesn't stop there because we see this God that divides the seas, and there's a God that's able to bring bread from heaven. He's able to create cloud by day and fire by night. Do you understand that God's got more? But it doesn't stop there because we see that God manifests himself in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So God was in the dirt. God is everywhere. He's in everything. He comes and he forms and fashions a person that he breathes into. Then this... People of his get to experience manifest presence of God in these miraculous ways. And then God manifests himself again. You see, there's more church. There's more. And Jesus gives himself for all of humanity in a way that just blows our minds by dying a gruesome death on a cross. And then he's buried and then he rises again. Death itself could not hold him down. You see, church, there's more. But it's not only that. Jesus himself said in John 14, I'm not going to leave you as orphans when I go to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit not just to be on you, but in you. In you. You see, something happens because there's more. You see, C3 Noosa this morning, I pray, there's a bunch of things I hope you get to take away, but if you don't take anything else, you need to understand that there is a biblical basis and foundation for us pastors, not just saying, hey, there's more because we want you to feel good. There is more. Because regardless, Ephesians 3.20 says, For he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you can dare to dream or imagine. So even when you get a big picture in your mind of what God can do in Noosa and Queensland, Australia and, the, and different parts of the planet, guess what? We go to God with what we think is a big idea. So we go to God and we say, Hey God, I've got this really cool idea. How big is this? And God looks at us and he smiles. He says, Son, that's good. But I can do even above and beyond what you got dreaming you go you mean I, I should dream bigger yeah and, and and i'm telling you church some of you in this room you need to turn your dream machine on some of you have stopped dreaming you know fear is one of the greatest killers of creativity fear is one of those things that will cause you to draw back instead of stepping into your purpose and so for some of you in this room when was the last time you dreamed i mean we've got so many dream killers that live around us every single day so answer that question to yourself, not to me, but to yourself. 
When was the last time you dreamt? Big dream. Take it to the Lord and he'll smile and he'll love you. And he'll just go, come on, daughter. Guess what? I can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you can even dare dream or imagine. You see, God's got more for you, C3 Noosa. I believe that with my whole heart. I wouldn't be here this morning if I didn't believe that. I believe that's part of the word that God's given us. I've got to get into this because there's some things that I'm hoping we can take away in the next 23 minutes, if that. Come on, we ready? Okay, so we've got some scriptures on the screen, and I'm going to try to do my best this morning to, to give you something that you can take home today that works. But it can't be just a bloke with biceps standing up in front of you and trying to articulate some words. It's got to be the Holy Spirit that brings revelation, right? If it's just a bloke trying to be a little bit funny and a little bit educational, a little bit informative, then we're wasting our time. You can go hear any motivational speaker. I'm not interested in that. I'm praying right now that something supernatural would happen by the time the words leave my mouth and they hit your ears and I pray your heart is soft. There'd just be revelation in this place this morning because this stuff works. This stuff works. Psalm 97 Verses 1 through to 5, reading from the NIV, it says, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. This is our God. Fire goes before him, he consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles. The mountains mount like wax in the presence of the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Okay, so just hold on to that scripture. We're going to come back to that one. The next passage that I want to refer to is Romans 8. Just verses 8 to 11. We ready? Okay, here we go. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You notice that Corinthians as well actually says that those who haven't come alive to Christ, where the Spirit of God hasn't come in to bring us alive, the things of the Word and the things of God are like foolishness. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at with the whole God thing this morning. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that you are experiencing here today, whether it's singing or whether it's, you know, the, the, the preachings, a lot of it doesn't actually make sense. And, and I get it. But can I encourage you this morning that when you invite the creator of the universe and his spirit to come and dwell within your life, things take on a whole different view and perspective. And there's a different level of understanding. It doesn't mean that I'm any better than anybody else. It's only but that God comes and he puts his spirit inside of me and suddenly I can begin to understand in a different way than I did before spiritual things. And so it says here, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If, everybody say if, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life. Everybody say life. That's it. Because of righteousness. And if the Spirit, have a listen to this. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. I mean, a powerful passage. We'll come back to that one in just a sec. My last passage, and I just want to piggyback off of Easter if you would allow me that grace this morning because there's something in this passage that jumped out at me that is kind of like, really, as I said, it works and it transformed 
my life and my relationship with the Lord. So if you've got your Bible, John 19, verses 38. And as you're turning there, just quickly, this is, this is after Christ has endured that tor- horrible, torturous death that he did, was put on the cross, he died, was buried, and this is the result that happened on the third day. Verse 38 of John chapter 19. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen, and this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Have a listen to this. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, that's my last passage that I'm going to jump back to. But when I read the Bible sometimes, sometimes stuff doesn't make sense. So I ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand stuff. And there's other times when something will just jump off the page and like whack me fading straight in the face. And I've got to kind of go, whoa. You know, there was four words that jumped out of that passage that hit me that I had no idea why it kind of hit me. And those four words were, there was a garden. Now, why would those words jump out at me? I'm going to try to explain that if you stay with me, okay? Now, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, maybe you kind of need to go and read some magazines, maybe Home Beautiful, maybe Gardens, and maybe watch a few Renault shows and, you know, Backyard Blitz and some of those sort of things, or maybe I'd needed to, does anyone listen to Talkback Radio? Oh, really? It's of the devil. It's like, I, I, I love my, my in-laws. I, I really do. Sadly, my pa- father-in-law has passed away. But I, I remember when we lived with them as we were saving up for a deposit for a house, Nat's mum and dad used to sit in bed and listen to talkback radio and gardening shows and stuff. And I'm just going, seriously, get a light. Like, I mean, there's half an hour you can't ever get back again, right? It's just, seriously. But if you, like, there's one particular radio announcer guy, Alan Searle was his name. If you want to annoy people at work, just talk like he does, because whenever he spoke about gardening, he'd talk about the roses and the pansies, the aphids. So just go around all day just speaking like that, just super 66. Like, it just, you'll just, no, don't annoy people. You don't want to do that. But, you know, you're kind of like, I was thinking to myself, okay, I don't think God wants me to go to that stuff to find. So I thought, oh, let's go to the Bible. That's a good place to go, right? So I jump into Genesis, right? And I start to read Genesis 1 through to 3, the creation account. I mean, what a phenomenal God we've got, church, because we see formlessness and void, the Spirit of God hovering, and then God begins to speak and things happen. Do you know the primary use of our words, church, should be to create, not to tear down. This should be the most encouraging, uplifting place, not flattery, because people see through that, right? I'm talking about genuine, authentic compliments and encouragement. And see encouraging words. So God shows us the primary use of our word should be to create. So God begins to speak. We know day one, night and day, evening, morning is created. Day two, skies created. Day three, land created with plants and vegetation. Our God, your God, my God simply just speaks the word and things come into being. Stuff just forms and, and comes into play. Plants and trees and vegetables. What an amazing God. I don't know what you're facing, but all you need is just one word from God. 
Just one word from God. And then we see day five, sea life and birds. Day six, animals created, walking, crawling, sliding creatures and critters, all sorts of things, you know. And whatever God did, he did well. You notice that you don't see half a giraffe and half a hippo walking around? You know, you don't, you don't see kind of like, you know, you don't cut open a banana and, and find orange on the inside. We have a God that does things with integrity and in fullness. And if he begins a good work, he will bring it to completion. He doesn't leave things half-baked. But we know that God's pinnacle of creation from Genesis 1 to 3 is humanity. So God takes some of that dust I was referring to. He forms and fashions humanity out of it. But you see, they're not alive until he breathes. Breathes. We, 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 we need the breath of God. Spiritually, we don't come alive to God until he breathes his life, his spirit into us. Same holds true today. Just like we're dependent upon our next breath to stay alive, we, 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 we are that dependent upon God's grace and we should be hungering and thirsting after him to fill us. And I love that. But you see, what it tells me there is that like in Genesis 1 to 3, it says that God takes this human that he created out of nothing and he places him in a garden. And I went, garden. Hey, we're onto something here. The first garden. So what happens is that God takes out of nothing, he takes something, he brings life into the garden. Life goes on. There was only one thing they weren't allowed to do. What do they do? The one thing they weren't supposed to do. Some people think that following Jesus is all about rules and regulation. No, being a follower of Christ is more about freedom than what people realize. Being in love with Jesus in relationship with Jesus is more about freedom than what we can ever truly comprehend. Galatians 5.1 is for freedom that Christ set us free. And so God takes something and he places man, he places life into the garden. They do the wrong thing. And so man breaks the relationship because God is all about relationship. From the very beginning, God's idea of creating humanity was so that he could have relationship with humanity. He wants to have relationship with you and I. God doesn't have favorites unless you want to be one. You see, you will be as close to God as you choose to be. He's ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to be your number one supporter, number one ticket holder. He's ready for that. It's up to us how much we hunger and thirst that relationship. So what happens after their disobedience, they're banished from the garden. So what happens in that garden? Life goes in, but what goes out? Death. Thank you. Death goes out. And I don't know about you, but if I was God, I would have obliterated humanity at that point. Those idiots. They had everything they could ever want. And they stuffed it up. But because God is so benevolent, he's so gracious, he's so patient and long-suffering, you see throughout the Old Testament that he creates ways for humanity to stay in relationship with him. Now, most of us think the book of Leviticus is a great cure for insomnia. You read through, the, and it's, serious, like it's hard work, but when you begin to realize the book of Leviticus is there is outlining the way for humanity to stay in relationship with God. Oh, God, you are so good. We do not deserve that. They did not deserve that. They rebelled. They did the wrong thing. Got kicked out of the garden, and God could have just written them off, but he didn't. Like, he doesn't write us off. And so we see that God, through different ways, he begins to actually manifest his presence, even though they didn't deserve it, in different ways. And with that came the protection. With that became the provision. With that came those things that I spoke about earlier. Bringing water from a rock, for goodness sake. Bringing bread from heaven every day. Bringing clouds and fire and seas parting. 
And then God took it a step up and he says, you know, I want my presence to be in the middle of my people. So the Ark of the Covenant was built to house the presence of God. And you can read the stories about what happened when the presence of God was with the people and went before the people, the great victories they got because the presence of God was at the center of his people and the presence of God led the people and the presence of God provided for the people. The presence of God gave the wisdom and the creativity and the strategy and the keys that they needed to live in victory. So we see this incredible God manifesting himself because, church, there's more. There's more. And, and, and I wish I could go through some of the stories to, to emphasize this point, but just make sure you, you realize that God wanted relationship, man rebelled, and God then kind of puts things in place so mankind can stay in relationship with him. Until ultimately, let's fast track to the New Testament when Jesus, God himself, comes and the presence, the breath, the ruach, if you like, the Hebrew for presence of God is, is breath, it's ruach, is, is manifest in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus begins to walk on the planet and he begins to manifest the presence and the power of God in a way like never before. He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. There was nothing that Jesus could not do. Whether it was in the natural, he overcame storms and diseases and he was able to multiply food to feed the hungry. He was able to take authority over every demonic spirit, principality and power. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't do. So we know about the life of Jesus, right? Just a couple of weeks ago, we know that he fulfilled his greatest purpose for coming to the earth. So here we have God himself, because he was the only one that could pay the price for all of humanity's sin. It couldn't be a sheep, it couldn't be a goat. They could only take on so much of humanity's sin. It had to be a perfect sacrifice that took on all of humanity's sin. All of those things that caused the breakdown in the relationship between God and man. And it was God himself in Jesus hung on that cross and he paid the price for your sin and my sin. So we are all responsible for the death of an innocent man. All of us. And we know that when he hung on that cross, taking the sin and sickness of the humanity upon himself for all time, he's hanging there. And then he says something really interesting. He says, it is finished. Do you know what that is? That's a Greek legal term for meaning the debt has been paid for in full. Everything. Everything, his blood had been shed, the price had been paid, the way had been made open for us to receive healing in every sphere of life, deliverance, freedom. And we know that he breathed his last and he died. You know, that kind of fascinated me because a bit of a medical background, physio thing, whatever. I wanted to know, what does that mean? Like when, what got into it and the Greek and all that sort of stuff? Do you know what it means? I'm going to help you sleep well tonight. You're going to learn something really exciting. When he breathed his last and he died, do you know what it means? He breathed his last and he died. It's deep. Which means he expired. His physical body stopped. Broken heart. He died. And, and then we come to this passage that I've read to you that these guys, Joseph comes and he takes the body of Christ and he lays Jesus in the tomb. Into a tomb in which no one had ever been laid before. And they lay the lifeless body of Jesus after they go through all the ceremonial customs. They lay him down in that tomb and he is lifeless, a lifeless body that is there. But we know his spirit is very much at work, gaining victory over hell, over death, on behalf of all of us. So you can imagine that the devil at this point is thinking that he's got the victory, that he's won. But we know that day three comes and something begins to happen that 
the ER room of heaven starts. And, and I can just imagine, you know, God the Father is there and he's just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, it's time. It's time. I don't know, what's, what's died in your life? What's died in your life that you've given up on? What are those people that you've been believing for to come to Christ, to come into a relationship with Jesus? It looks impossible. It looks so hard. Can I just say, don't give up. Don't give up. You see, this, this story reminds me of like uh, Ezekiel standing in front of the valley of dry bones. And, and as he's standing in front of that valley of dry bones, the Lord says to him, hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel's smart. Do you know why? Have a listen to his response. Only you alone know, Lord. What a great answer. Well, if God asks you a question, just ask him a question back. But God says to him, okay, speak to the bones. Use your words to create. Some of us need to start speaking to our problems. Some of us need to start speaking to our mountain. Some of us need to start speaking to that giant. Because Ezekiel begins to start speaking to the valley of dry bones. Do you know what starts to happen? It's amazing. Because all of a sudden these metatarsals start flying around and then there's these tarsal bones, the calcaneum, a talus, all jump together to form the feet. Then there's a tibia and a fibula jumping on top of that. And then there's all these patellas flying around. These kneecaps come flying around and they sit on there. And then there's these really big bones. These femurs all go flying around like spare ribs flying around and jumping on top of that. And then there's these pelvises floating like butterflies sitting down. No, that's not me. And they jump to the next one. And then all of a sudden there's like all these vertebrae. There's a coccyx, a sacrum, a lumbar, a thoracic, cervical vertebra with the discs in between, and then there is spare ribs just flying everywhere, all coming together, and then there's more butterflies, the scapula, the shoulder blades all go flying, and they sit on the rib cage, and Ezekiel's freaking out. He's looking at, oh my gosh, all I did was speak. Don't underestimate the power of your words when you pray in the name of Jesus. Because all of a sudden there's a humerus, there's a radius, there's an ulna, there's carpal bones, and the wrist bones all come flying, and then it sounds like a 10-pin bowling alley. Because all these skulls start just flying around and just jumping on different heads, popping around. Ezekiel's freaking out. But he who begins to work will bring it to completion. Because Ezekiel's looking at skeletons and God goes, son, I ain't done yet. And so all of a sudden it's like, speak to him, God, do whatever you need to do to bring the flesh. And so all of a sudden there's a gastrocnemius, a ciliaus, there's quadriceps, there's biceps, there's a gluteus maximus. We've all got a bit of junk in the trunk, right? It'd be very uncomfortable on that chair right now if you didn't have a gluteus maximus. I'm just saying. So, you know, then all of a sudden there's like the Kelvin Klein six-pack abs are there and there's the pecs and there's the biceps and the triceps and the forearm flexors and then on the muscles uh, of facial expressions, the muscles for mastication. Be careful how you say that one because it's chewing. All right, for those of you who don't know, mastication is chewing. And then there's like other kind of like facial expressions. And like Ezekiel's freaking out, but God's really cool because he goes, lay some skin on me, brother, and these guys are just layered with skin. Ezekiel's freaking out. This is what our God can do. Uh, you see, your belief in who God is will determine your belief in what God can do. Your belief in who He is will determine. See, I, I believe in a big God and it's getting bigger. I don't want to limit God. So we have this incredible God that says, okay, Ezekiel, you've got a vast army ahead of you, but they're not alive. What do you need to do? You need to prophesy to the breath to come. They come alive. You see, that's what happens on that third day. Resurrection Sunday, God <laughs> breathes into the lifeless body of Jesus. Physical, literal, physical resurrection. Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed. 
And he defeated death and hell. You see, it's from a virgin's womb that he came. It's from a virgin tomb that Jesus came out of. He walked out of that day. You see, bear with me, church. Bear with me. I'm going to try and wrap this up in the next three minutes. You see, in that first garden, do you remember the first garden? God just wanted relationship with humanity, with Adam and Eve. He just wanted to come walk in the cool of the day. And he's wanting to walk in that garden with them, but they disobeyed and broke relationship with him. So they were cast out of the garden. So life went in, but death went out. On the mount where Christ was crucified, there was a garden church. And in that garden, there was a tomb in which no one had ever been laid. We just heard Jesus was laid in there. What went into that tomb? Death. But on the third day, for you and for me, what came out? Life. For the love of God, somebody in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's, there's life came out of that tomb. And you just go, well, okay, how is this relevant to me? I'm glad you asked. You see, your take home is out of Romans 8. We read it together before. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you, living in you, me, not just exclusively for pastors or leaders or people who have been Christians and gone to Jesus school for five years, those that confess Jesus Christ as Lord, God wants to breathe. Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's more. There's more. You're a carrier of the presence of God. If you confess faith in Christ, He's Lord of your life, you are carrying the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You're carrying the same Spirit that parted seas. You're carrying the same Spirit that raised people from the dead. And that's why Jesus could confidently say, you will do greater things than even I did. Because you're a carrier of the presence of God. Which means that when you go into an atmosphere, when you go into a room, when you go into a business meeting, when you go into an exam, when you go into a test, you go into any situation, any circumstance, you're not operating in the natural realm. You're carrying the presence of God. People go, Phil, why do things seem to work out for you all the time? It's not me. I'm just carrying the presence of God. And the atmosphere in a room changes. I walk in not because of me, but because I'm carrying the presence of God. I get favor from people, not because like I've got biceps or not because I can hold a microphone. It's because I'm carrying the presence of God. You carry the presence of God. Come on, you've got to get a revelation of this, guys. Because when you go to work tomorrow, some of you've got to go home to people that maybe don't love Jesus. You need to get a revelation here. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring this to life that wherever you go, you can be the change. You can see your school transform, guys. You can see... Stuff happened that previous generations haven't because you get a revelation of being carried the presence. What about Psalm 97, that other verse that we opened up with this one? Let me finish by saying this. The mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Where's the presence of the Lord? In you. That's why, no offense, Pastor Christian, but you don't need him. Well, you do. That's all right, mate. You're all right, mate. You can stand in front of that mountain. See, this is why we don't need a priest to get to God. We've got God's presence in us. That you can speak to that mountain in Jesus' name, command it to be cast into the sea. Not because of any authority I have, but because I'm a carrier. The... Are you getting it, church? I don't want to go back to Melbourne without you getting this. Because this works when you've got a revelation of who it is and what it is you're carrying. I walk in a confidence, I walk in authority, I walk in a security. Because it doesn't matter, the devil, doesn't matter what people say, they can't take that from me. I don't care what you think of me, I honestly don't care. Because I'm a carrier of the presence of God. 
You're a carrier of the presence of God. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what they try to do to you. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You're a carrier of the presence. You can speak to that mountain. You can speak to that giant. Nothing is bigger than our God. You see, when you keep your relationship with God, number one, and you just hunger and thirst for Him, He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? In the Greek, that is in the present tense. It means it's for now. Not just when I said it just before, it's for now. Actually, now it's in the now. It's actually for now. It's, it's, for, it's for you now. And, and, and we like to measure stuff. We like to be able to kind of get our heads around stuff and measure stuff. But God's infinite. He's eternal. So just because Christian and I maybe, and, and Pastor Melissa and that might be really hungry, doesn't mean that you're going to miss out because God's going to run out. He's got more than enough. How hungry. Can we just stand this morning? Can we just stand? Just every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm talking about being a carrier of the presence of God. See, there's a starting point. And it starts with you being introduced to Jesus Christ. Your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. As I said, Jesus hung on that cross. Paid the price for all of our sin. My sin, your sin. So no longer does there have to be anything that separates us from God. But Jesus offers us this incredible gift of salvation. And when we accept that, He comes in and He breathes His Spirit into us and we become a carrier of His presence. All those wrongs, all that sin is dealt with and we come into right relationship with God. That's got to be the first and number one relationship in our life. Everything else flows out of that. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.